Good morning, and welcome to LifeBridge Online. I'm Pastor Chris, and I'm glad you're here. This is usually our discovery hour at LifeBridge, where we have classes for all ages and stages. And during this difficult time, here's what we're doing, and I'm glad you're here. And now is a great time to like and share this. I appreciate that. It gets the word out, and it helps other people learn the gospel. And our goal here is to bridge the gap between biblical learning and radical living. Now, I want to start out with something from a human perspective, and it's this. Life is uncertain. Now more than ever, life is uncertain. When will this pandemic end? When will a virus or a vaccine be discovered? When will we go back to school? And if so, will it be in person or online? When will things get back to normal? And if they don't get back to normal, what will the new normal look like? What is our nation going to look like after the November elections, no matter what side of the political aisle you lean towards? Will our economy recover from this? And can we, as a nation, establish mercy and justice without descending into anarchy or tyranny? Look, we have an uncertain future in front of us. And yet the book of James tells us that our future is more uncertain than what we realize. In fact, the book of James says we shouldn't even plan a vacation or what we're going to do in the next 24 hours without saying, if the Lord wills, we will do such and such. You see, the future is uncertain because we have no control over it. In fact, we can't even add one minute to our life. That's how out of control we are regarding our future. But we heard good news in last week's message. We heard the good news that our eternal God transcends time and He is timelessly eternal. And we can surrender our time to Him, even our uncertain futures. We can surrender to Him and trust Him to make a straight path for us into this uncertain future. But to do that, we need to know how to surrender our trust to the Lord. And so we're in a study right now in a series called Surrender, God's path or wisdom's path to success. I'm sorry, wisdom's path to success. And we're doing a deep dive into Proverbs 3. And the verses that we're going to look at this morning are Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. And so before we do that, let's, let's ask God to grant us his wisdom. Would you bow your heads right there, right where you are, and, and let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we come and we are thankful to be able to come on the basis of the blood shed by Jesus Christ. His righteousness grants us entry into your throne room. And Lord, we have your ear and you are near to hear and yet you are large and in charge so that we can actually expect you to do something and answer our prayers. 
Lord, our prayer is this. Make us wise this morning. Give us ears to ear. Give us a heart to be doers of the word and not hearers only. Lord, make us wise so that we can see trusting you from your perspective and live accordingly. We pray this in the beloved name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, if you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, just right there, turn with me. Always have your Bibles open. Always be looking at your Bibles when someone's teaching or speaking regarding the Bible. The words you need to hear this morning are God's, not mine. And so turn in your Bibles to uh, Proverbs chapter 3, and let's look at verses 5, and let's just read 5, 6, and 7. Proverbs 3, 5, 6, and 7. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes, Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Now, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 are some of the greatest verses in all the Bible. As teenagers, my wife and I chose this passage as our life verse before we had ever met one another. And in 2015, these verses, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, were the most shared verses on the YouVerse app globally for the entire year. In fact, I know a few other verses that answer so many of the questions that people struggle with, especially now, like these verses do. And these verses are the heart and soul of Proverbs 3. And so let me encourage you, before we dive into the lesson, commit to memorizing these verses, meditate on these verses, and applying them in your own life. Now, throughout this series, we've said that wisdom is seeing life from God's perspective and living accordingly. And these two verses are jam-packed with God's wisdom, God's perspective on how to move forward in an uncertain future. And so, for the rest of our time, we're going to look at God's wisdom on how to surrender your trust. And I want, from these verses, to show you seven traits of trusting the Lord. So let's dive right in. Here's the first trait of trusting. And it's this. Trusting is more than believing. Trusting is more than believing. The very first word in these verses is the word trust. And it's because... Trust is essential to the surrendered life and stepping into an uncertain future. Trust is one of those things that are, is essential during this pandemic. Listen, we make trust evaluations all day long, most of them without even thinking about them. We drive across bridges trusting they'll stay up. We sit in chairs. I'm sitting in a chair right now that I'm trusting is going to hold me up during this lesson. We trust uh, by getting on planes, or at least we used to. And we don't know who's flying them. We don't know anything about the mechanics of them. We might not understand aerodynamics, but we trust and we get on and we fly. But we also have to choose to trust in critical moments of our lives. And here's what it comes down to. Am I going to trust God? 
and do things his way? Or am I going to trust in myself and rely on my own resources? And of course, verse 7 that we just read warns us, do not be wise in your own eyes. Now, this is especially true when we're facing an uncertain future like we are right now. Are we going to step into the future trusting God to provide for me, to protect me, to lead me? and Or am I going to go into this uncertain future, go it alone, relying on my own resources, unsure, afraid, or worse than that, just stay huddled in our homes and not trust the Lord to get out and to re-engage life. Now, how many of you have ever seen someone bungee jump? Okay, maybe you can put that in the comments. Yeah, maybe you've done it. Tell me, have you done it? Have you seen someone do it? Well, listen, when you think about someone doing bungee jumping, here's the reality. That bungee jumper has to consider how strong is that cord? They've got to look at the person running that, that uh, event and say, you know, did they measure the bungee cord the right way so that I won't smack my head into the ground? It's all about trust. But here's the reality. You can watch bungee jumping and even know people who have bungee jumped. My friend Jonathan, he's a bungee jumper. But you don't really trust until you let them strap that thing on you and you actually jump off that bridge. Then you are exercising trust. You see, trust is always more than believing. It's more than mental assent. It's more than knowing something. The difference between believing and trusting is leaning. The difference between believing and trusting is leaning. Why do I say that? Well, look what it says. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. Again, it's like bungee jumping. You can believe there is a God. You can even believe he can forgive you of your sins and give you a new heart and walk you through life's hard places. You can even believe that you're actually trusting him. But the reality is this. Until you're actually leaning on him and stepping forward in trust in him, you haven't begun to trust in the Lord. You see, for many people, trusting God is like watching people bungee jump. You know it's done, but you yourself may have never done it. You may believe you can do it, but you haven't actually did it. Now, throughout church history, uh, people have defined, God's people have defined trust by in, with three components. It's, trusting is more than knowing the truth. Okay, You can know the truth and yet not trust it. Trusting is more than agreeing with the truth. You can agree that something's true and still not trust it. Trusting is that third aspect where you actually lean in, rely on, and trust in that which you know is true. The very next phrase I said in verse 5 tells us that trusting is leaning on, 
relying on that which you know. And so trust is a lifelong challenge that grows with constant use. And we're going to flesh that out as we go on. So let's look at the second trait of trusting. Because the second trait is this. Trusting requires the right object. Trusting requires the right object. Who are we to trust in in this passage? We are to trust in the Lord. And so I want you to see, and this is very, very important. I want you to see the object of your trust is always more important than the amount of your trust. The object of your trust. You see, it's possible to have a strong faith, a strong trust in the wrong object. But in this passage, it is very clear. Trust in the Lord. You see, you often hear the statement, it doesn't matter what you believe as long as you're sincere. But that's simply not true. Because you can be sincerely wrong in what you're trusting in. In other words, you can have a great faith, a great trust, but have it in the wrong thing or the wrong person. Uh, Let me illustrate it this way. Let's say I'm sick. And someone I know gives me a Bible, a bottle of pills, okay? And they say, here, take these pills, Chris, and you're going to get better. And because I trust them, and I trust them sincerely, I took the pills, but instead of getting better, I became deathly ill. And why is that? Well, because, ironically, instead of that bottle being medicine, It was actually rat poisoning, okay? And that's going to kill you. But the person said it was good for me. And I trusted them. And I trusted that those pills would make them better. This is just an illustration. This didn't happen to me. I just want to make that. Now, was I sincere? Yes. Did I trust? Yes. So much so, I acted on it. But I was sincerely wrong because I had a great faith in the wrong person, and in the wrong thing. The object of your trust is more important than the amount of your trust. Who are you going to trust? Who are you right now trusting in to take you into the uncertain future that we're facing? Well, this verse tells us that the Lord is the only one who is timelessly trustworthy. The Lord, and notice in your Bibles, Lord there is in all caps, and that tells you that that is the special revealed name of God. The Lord is the only one who is timelessly trustworthy. Now, according to Exodus chapter 3 and Exodus chapter 6, you can read those chapters to see where God reveals this name. It's the name I am. I am who I am, God tells Moses. And I will be who I will be. Now, what does that mean? Well, it simply means this. I will be what you need to be, what you need me to be in your time of crisis in your time of need, in your time of uncertainty, in your time of bondage, of distress, in your time of attack. We are to trust in 
the Lord, the I am God, not some generic God. Listen, if, if, if all you know of God is G-O-D, I invite you to learn more about the God who has revealed himself as the great I am. This isn't some abstract Jesus that we've made in our own image. This is the I am God, the ever-present Redeemer, the, the, the ultimate promise keeper. He's the God in the Old Testament who said, I am God Almighty and I set Israel free from bondage with ten mighty plagues. I am the one and only who parts the seas. I am the one who conquers by powerful means. I'm the one who provides manna from heaven and water from rocks. I am the one who makes walls fall with just a shout of praise. I'm the one who slays giants with one little smooth stone. I'm the one who forgives murderers and adulterers and prostitutes. I'm the one who judges secret sin and disciplines my own children when they err and sin against me. And as God reveals himself in the, in the Bible, it moves into the New Testament and he says, I am the Lord Jesus Christ, the way, the truth, and the life the one who is wisdom wrapped in human flesh. And furthermore, I am the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, who enables you to do what you cannot do for yourself. Listen, beloved, we place our trust in not a generic G-O-D, but the Lord God Almighty, who is the great triune God, who is one God in three persons, and that is is the object, that is the person that we place our faith in. You see, the object of your trust is more important than the amount of your trust. Listen to Isaiah 50.10. Who among you fears the Lord and listens to his servant, the prophet? Who among you walks in darkness and, in light and has no light? Let him trust in the name of the Lord. Let him lean on his God. And then Proverbs 18.10. The name of the Lord, all caps, is a strong tower. The righteous runs into it and is safe. What's your object of your trust? Now, the third trait of trusting is this. Where does trusting the right object take place? How, where does trusting take place? Well, here, here's the third trait. Trusting is a state of heart. Trusting is a state of our heart that involves all of me. Notice, trust in the Lord with all your heart. You see, many people, unfortunately, and we, we're all tempted, we're all guilty of this, at times, we trust the Lord halfway or half-heartedly. But listen, it never works, does it? Because ultimately, you can't sit on a fence. Either you're leaning and trusting in the Lord or you're not. And the reality is, there are, just like bungee jumping, there's no half-hearted bungee jumpers, right? Uh, a bungee jumper is totally committed. I mean, now, you, he may struggle, he may be fearful and anxious, but the one who actually jumps is all in. Now, God says this, You will seek me 
and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Now, if you're having difficulty fully trusting the Lord, it may be that you don't know him enough to really love him and therefore actually trust him. Let me explain it this way. Unsafe people don't trust the Lord because they don't know him. They don't know the Lord. And saved people often don't trust the Lord because they don't know the Lord well enough to love him enough to trust him with their whole heart. Because here's the reality. You won't really trust someone if you don't know them. Why? Because you don't know if they're really there for you. You don't know them well enough to know if they are trustworthy. Here's the facts. The better you know someone, the more you know if they are trustworthy and the more you will trust in them. So let me illustrate it this way. If a stranger came up to you, just nobody, somebody on the street just walks up to you and says, look, I want you to ask, I want to ask you to do something for me. And you're like, well, okay. And you're thinking, I don't know who this guy is. So, so you say, well, what is it? And that person says, well, I'm not going to tell you until you first tell me if you'll do it. Tell me you'll do it, then I'll tell you what it is. Now, what is going to be your response to that? Well, your response is going to be my, mine. You're going to say, no way. No way. I don't even know who you are. I don't trust you. But change the scenario. If you have a close friend or your spouse and they come to you and they say, hey, I want you to do something for me. And you say, well, sure. What is it? I mean, immediately you're more eager, you're eager, you're more apt to say yes. And you say, well, what is it? And they say, well, look, I, I don't have time. The circumstances are such that I can't tell you right now, but will you do it for me? We are much more apt to say, sure. Why? Because we know the person. We know and love them, and we know they love us and have our best interests interest in mind for us, and therefore we trust them. Listen, here's the point. A superficial relationship or a shallow infatuation will never produce a trusting relationship. Listen, if your knowledge of God has been consistently for many years only an inch deep and maybe a mile wide, you aren't going to be as apt to grow in trusting the Lord. Because here's the reality. Trust is built as love grows and deepens. Trust is built as love grows and deepens. I want to encourage you to spend time with the Lord Jesus Christ and get to know him so that you can come to love him more and therefore trust him more. Because here's the point. Here's the point. To truly know God is to trust him. To trust him is to love him. And to love him is to obey him. And to obey him is to move forward 
into an uncertain future knowing that he is going to make your way straight for you. So let me ask you a personal question, and it's this. How is your time alone with God going during the pandemic? How has it been these last three or four months? How has your time alone? And I'm not really asking you what you're, you know, where you are reading in your Bible. I'm not so much asking how much of your Bible you're reading. I'm really what I'm asking is, have you grown to know more of God through His Word and prayer? Have you grown in your love for Him during this time? And I know it hasn't been easy. It hasn't been easy for me. But I can honestly say, by staying in God's Word, by staying around God's people as much as we can at this difficult time. But most of all, spending time with God has deepened my knowledge of Him. It's grown my love for Him. And I am trusting that it is increasing my trust for Him. And I hope that you can say the same. And maybe you're listening this morning and you can't say that. That's okay. Because today can be the beginning of a deeper relationship with Jesus Christ. And so trusting the Lord with all your heart means you know Him and you love Him well enough to trust Him with all that's within you. Uh, No holds barred, nothing held back. You're all in and you are committed. And I love this illustration because this is an illustration of trusting with all all your heart. Uh, You know, there was a pig and a chicken who made an agreement, let's provide a ham and egg breakfast for our farmer. And the pig said, well, that's easy for you to say, chicken. All you're making is a contribution. For me, I'm committed because I got to provide the bacon. Now, I shouldn't do this because I don't have time for it, but I'm going to do it anyway. In my travels during college on a missions team, we actually stayed with a couple in their home because we traveled up and down the East Coast, and they had pigs, and they had a pet pig. And I'll never forget sitting at their breakfast table with their pet pig as they fed him bacon off the table to the pig. Now, I don't know. I found it ironic and unforgettable, so I shared that with you. Well, here's the idea. Listen, it's easy to say we trust the Lord with all our heart, but how do we know that we're actually doing it? Well, let me give you the fourth trait of trusting, and it's this. Trusting lets nothing replace God's wisdom. Trusting lets nothing replace God's wisdom. Remember the verse? Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. You see, the parallelism of that verse teaches us that the opposite of trusting the Lord is to lean on our own understanding. This verse, though, doesn't mean, and don't don't take it to mean, it doesn't mean to totally lay aside your intelligence. This isn't, Christianity is a thinking faith. It's a, it, it's, a, it's a trusting faith, but it's also a thinking faith that, that God wants us to think and to reason together with Him. But the whole book of Proverbs is about how to gain what I call sanctified common sense. 
You see, common sense is of great value. The only problem, it's uncommon. And what Proverbs wants us to have is sanctified common sense. And what do I mean by that? Proverbs teaches us to take common sense and set it apart to God's perspective. Take common sense and surrender it to God's view, to God's revelation, to God's understanding of His creation and your life. You see, this verse addresses the tendency that we all have to try and figure things out before we move forward in trust and obedience. How many of you been there, right? How many of you been there where we were like, okay, Lord, tell me how this is going to work. Let me figure out the steps. Let me see the result. Then I'll trust you. And in fact, most people, not just people from Missouri, most people are like Missouri folk. We're the show me state, right? Most of us come to the Lord and say, Show me, and I will trust you. And we think God says to us, no, trust me, and then I'll show you. But listen, God doesn't say that. He says something better than that. Here's what God says. He says, I have shown you myself, trust me, and I will show you more of who I am. Listen, Christianity is not a blind Uh, jump in the dark. It's not a, a, a jump in the dark. It's not, you don't have to check your brains at the door. And yet you don't need to be so open-minded that your brains fall out. The reality is this, God has shown himself in creation. He's shown himself through the special revelation of the Bible. He has shown himself and he says, now trust me and I will show you even more of who I am. Now listen, if you think you have to understand everything, you will fall into the trap of worry instead of trust. If you rely on your own understanding, you're going to spend your time during this pandemic and in the future frustrated, filled with anxiety, and you will be double-minded and disobedient. That's not what God wants for you. Here's the crux of the matter. Think about these three verses. Proverbs 3, 7 says, Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Proverbs 26, 12 says, Do you see a man wise in his own eyes? There's more hope for a fool than for him. And Proverbs 28, 26 says, He who trusts in his own heart is a fool. But he who walks wisely will be delivered. Listen, not leaning on your own understanding means never let human reasoning trump God's wisdom. Listen, go with the word of God, properly interpret it, understand it, compare scripture with scripture, and then move forward in trust. Now, how do we know? that we're not leaning on our own understanding. Well, that's the fifth trait of trusting, and it's this. Trusting calls for total surrender. Trusting calls for total surrender. And here's the key two words, acknowledge him. Look at that. It's right there in verse 6. 
acknowledge Him. Now, how do I know I'm not relying on my own understanding? It's because you acknowledge Him in all of your ways. Now, this word acknowledge is very interesting. It basically means to recognize someone's presence. It means to know them in all areas of your life. The opposite of acknowledging someone is ignoring them. Now, let me illustrate it this way. If I invited you to spend tomorrow with me, I'm going to come spend Monday with me. And we're just, you're going to go through the day with me. And if I went through my day, and every time I encountered someone, I didn't introduce you, I didn't explain who you were, I didn't explain who we were meeting with, eventually someone's going to say, who's that with you? Why are they with you? But if I take you through my day, and everywhere we go, I say, hi, this is my friend, so-and-so. And I introduce you. I acknowledge you. I acknowledge your presence with me wherever I go. That's the idea. That's the idea. In the same way, when Jesus is your Lord, you're going to recognize His presence in every area of your life. In other words, trusting invites King Jesus to everything and introduces Him to everyone. In other words, you will recognize His presence with you at all times. You, you get to know Him in the good times and the bad times, and especially in times of, his, of, of uncertainty. His presence, listen, God's acknowledged presence with you is going to change the way you look at things. It's going to change what you do. It's going to change the way you talk. Trusting invites King Jesus to everything and introduces him to everyone. Now, that's why the sixth trait of trusting is this. Trusting applies to your entire life. Trusting applies to your entire life. Notice what it says again in verse 6. It says, in all your ways acknowledge him. Wisdom says we need to acknowledge His Lordship over every area of our lives. All our ways refers to all areas of your life. Are you trusting the Lord with regard to your family? With regard to your work? With regard to your finances? We'll talk more about that in the weeks to come. In regards to your future, to your entertainment. We are to acknowledge the Lordship of Christ in every areas of your life. Listen to me, beloved, and listen. I say this with love, and I say it with your concern in mind. And it's simply this. We cannot afford to put the Lord Jesus Christ into lockdown. Listen, we've got to begin to be thinking about how to re-engage life. We can't be fearful and just isolated. And there are health concerns and there are real dangers and people can and have died. But at the end of the day, we as the people of God have to re-engage life. And to do that, it's going to take trust 
in every area, even during a pandemic. Listen, in all your ways means trusting the Lord is an entire commitment, all your heart. It's an exclusive commitment. Lean not on your own understanding. And it's an exhaustive commitment. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. So in other words, here's the kind of the takeaway. Trusting is essential to all aspects of life. Now, there's a seventh and final trait that I want to give you, and it's how the verse ends, and it's this. Trusting is wisdom's path to success. Trusting is wisdom's path. This whole series, all of chapter 3, is about this idea. Surrender is wisdom's path to success. Notice how verse 6 ends. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make your path straight. What happens when you move forward with God into an uncertain future? The Lord gives you this promise, a promise that He will give you success that will last for eternity and that He will make your path straight, smooth, and successful. So let me give these to you real quickly. The Lord promises to make your life, when you surrender and trust Him with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding, He makes these promises. The Lord promises to make your life morally straight. He's going to enable you to stay on the straight and narrow path that leads to life. He, he's going to help you. His wisdom will help you from straying to the left and to the right. You will become a wise decision maker. Remember in the previous lessons, you will choose wisely instead of poorly, poorly. The Lord will enable you to live in a manner pleasing to Him. That's what the straight path is. It's not constricting. It's liberating. You please God, and that brings joy into your life. Secondly, the Lord promises to make your life increasingly smooth. Now, we think smooth means easy, and that's not the idea. The, smooth, the idea of smooth is not easy, but successful. He clears the path so that your life will be a success in His eyes for all of eternity. Listen, it means that He will prevent us from stumbling, from falling in such a way that we're like, we won't be like the lady in the commercial, I've fallen and I can't get up. No, the Lord will clear your path so that when you stumble, you don't fall and stay down. Listen, Christian life isn't easy. It's a harder path. But, and here's the thing, we may take three steps forward and you may actually end up taking two steps back, but the Lord is always going to keep you moving forward when you have that trust relationship with Him. The Lord will enable you to live in a manner that fulfills His purpose. You'll be pleasing to Him, morally straight. You'll be, uh, uh, you'll be increasingly smooth because you'll fulfill his purposes. And then third, 
He promises to make you eternally successful. The Lord will enable you to live in a manner that is an eternal success from God's perspective. Now listen, this is going to happen not like a prosperity gospel. It will happen according to His sovereignty, according to His wisdom, His plan, His way, His timing, His glory. And it will happen not only according to His sovereignty, but also according to your response to His ability. God's sovereignty doesn't eliminate our ability, but it is always exalted over our ability. That's why we trust Him, not ourselves. That's why we lean on His understanding and not our own. But you must trust Him. And that's the challenge for this morning. So, as we go through the book of Proverbs, if you study the book of Proverbs, I looked up the path. There's always two paths in the book of Proverbs because there's two paths in life. There's the broad way that leads to destruction and there's the narrow way that leads to life. And one time I did a study through the book of Proverbs and I found there's seven different paths in the book of Proverbs. There's the path of wisdom, and the path of foolishness, the path of righteousness, and the path of wickedness, the path of life, and the path of death, the path of fearing God, and the path of fearing man. There's the path of humility, and the path of pride. There's the path of those whom the Lord loves, and the path of those whom the Lord hates. And there's the path that is straight, and there is the path that is crooked in the book of Proverbs. My question for you this morning is this. Which path are you on this morning? Listen, God's path does not lead to misery and destruction. It will bring joy and blessing to your life. In fact, the Bible says in Psalm 1611, it says this, you have made known to me the path of life. And you will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. Because here's the bottom line. Here's the, the final takeaway. Trusting enables us to experience God's best in this life and the one to come. That's why you should trust Him today with all your heart. I want to end with a story about a man by the name of Stephen Olford. Stephen Olford is a famous preacher that went to be with the Lord in, in 2004. I have several of his books in my library. Olford was born and raised in Angola. He was the son of missionary parents. He was a Christian, but early in his life he determined at a young age that he didn't want to follow in the footsteps of his missionary father. His dream was to study engineering and become rich. He attended a prominent university in England and proved to be a top to be a top student and make and make and made the best grades. He had a knack for mechanical engineering and his college thesis, get this, was on carburation. Okay, I can barely say it, much less do it. He designed and built a new powerful powerful motorcycle carburetor. He took up motorcycle racing to demonstrate the efficiency of his design. 
And one night, while he's riding home after a uh, race, he got into a horrible, horrible wreck, and he laid injured on the road on a cold, rainy night for hours until he was discovered. When they finally found his broken body, they took him to a hospital, and he was already diagnosed with pneumonia. The doctor who, who, uh, who looked after him told him he had less than two weeks to live. And here was this young man. His life has caved in around him. His future is not only uncertain, it's deadly. And he's lying on his deathbed, and he receives a letter from his missionary father. Now, here's the thing about the, the letter. His father had written it from Africa. And due to the time delay, it was written before Stephen had his motorcycle accident. But the letter contained words that would change his life forever. Here's the words that his father wrote. Only one life twill soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. And there... In that lonely hospital room, with the strength that he had left, Stephen Olford got out of bed, knelt by his deathbed, and prayed this prayer, a prayer that would change his life. Lord, anytime, anywhere, any cost. Olford didn't die in that hospital room. For the next 60 years, he preached and he across the globe, and he equipped pastor, pastors to do verse-by-verse exposition. And he kept at it all the way up to the age of 86. And then in 2004, he suffered a stroke, and he immediately entered into the presence of the Lord. And when he did, I'm sure these words were truer in his heart than they ever were. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Listen, have you ever prayed a prayer like that? I have, and I did it when I was 17. Three months after I was saved, here at this church, LifeBridge, I knelt down after a sermon, and I said, Lord, I don't know what the future holds, this Christianity thing, this, this gospel-orientated life, this surrendering yourself to the Lord. It's all new to me. I don't understand. But I know enough of you, and I know enough of my sin that I can trust you, and I need to rely on you. And so, Lord, I didn't say it in these exact words, but I said, Lord, my future is yours. Have you prayed that? Have you made that commitment? Listen, if you don't know the Lord this morning, let me encourage you. Surrender your sins and yourself to Him. Give Him your sin and He will give you His righteousness. He'll create in you a new heart with new desires to be surrendered and sold out to Him. But maybe you know the Lord and you haven't ever really surrendered it all to Him. You're hanging on and you're holding back and you're scared about the future. Let me challenge you right where you are to pray this prayer and say, Lord, I trust you anytime, anywhere, any cost. 
And if you do that, let me know. Respond to the connection card in the comments and let us know. We'd like to help you take next steps. Would you pray with me? Father, I pray for everyone listening and I pray for myself that, Lord, we will face the uncertain future with a total surrender to you. Uh, Not because we're able to do it on our own, but because you are able to take what we offer to you and make something of it that will glorify you and will bring joy to our hearts and make our way smooth, straight, and successful in your eyes. I pray for anyone right now who is struggling that they would make this total surrender. They would surrender their trust to you because you are timelessly trustworthy. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Hey, we'll see you same time next week.